Hello friends and welcome back to This Changes Everything. I'm here once again with my favorite, super chill, super hot therapist. That's me. Well, not my therapist, but a therapist. <laughs> Therapy Jeff! How you doing, Therapy Jeff? Good. How are you, Sarah? Did you like that intro? I love that intro. I'm thinking I, want I'm gonna, I should give you can... some kind of like like WWE intro every time. That wasn't very <laughs> WWE. That was like if Bravo did WWE intros. I'll take it. I love yeah. it. Makes me feel great. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. How you doing? I'm good. Uh, you commented on my shirt. I'm wearing this yes. shirt. Remember this horrible but amazing show, the Dinosaurs show? Yeah. It, I love that so much. For those of you who... Uh, do we even have a video version of this? We should. If we, we should. we're we're working on it. Don't we're worry. You can see our our beautiful faces and Jeff's funny shirt. Uh yeah, the, that dinosaur, I think was it like live action but like with muppets kind of like Jim Henson style? Yeah. Or they were like clay. It was yeah, live they, action. Yeah. With these like these these muppets. I loved it. But they, I'm the baby, gotta love me. <laughs> yeah, that was the song he sang. It was on TGIF. Back in the day. Do you remember TGIF? Oh, of course. Yeah. I loved that show. The Torkelsons. Just like families. <laughs> Family Matters, Full House. Family Matters. Perfect Strangers, <laughs> Just the Ten of Us. <laughs> Step by Step. The best, the best intro, like, theme songs of oh, any so good. any era. So good. So Don't good. even try to come at me with any other, like... Um. Or both. That was the best. Family Matters might be one of the best. I, don't, I think step by step, and also Full House. I mean, they're just they're so iconic. They stick in yeah, your head like little the earworms. I'm, they all do sound like the same song, but they do, know. and it's fine. But the, it's, the, the that show, the dinosaurs show, where it's just like these dinosaurs are a family. They were doing their thing. It was silly and ridiculous. Do you remember the last episode where they like ended the series? What happened? No. It's one of the saddest episodes of any series <laughs> it was like traumatizing to me as a child well tell me what happened now i have to know the dinosaur so spoiler alert you okay. know plug your ears if you don't want to yeah. know this yeah. for those of you tuning in to the episodes <laughs> of dinosaurs <laughs> the dinosaurs all die just like <gasps> they did in real life well you know we some would say we saw it coming <laughs> I didn't see. I thought that these were just like dinosaurs that were going to live forever. Like I didn't even like put together like, oh, they're like referencing the actual. Maybe they're like the real dinosaurs or the whatever. Like they just they all yeah. die. They all they're all destroyed. And we've that's just the end. like accepted that this is some parallel universe where yeah. dinosaurs live on a planet just like exactly. we do and go to work and everything. Not like this might be a journey into the past <laughs> right. where we get to see their uh, <laughs> ultimate end and demise and yes oh via comet. So totally sad. depressing, but eh, I got I gotta say uh, the the writing was on the not, not necessarily the cave walls. The cave walls, exactly. <laughs> but that is a very appropriate shirt for yeah. our continuation mm-hmm. of our conversation from last week when we were chatting about grief. And his shirt says, "I feel the pain of everyone." Yes, it's actually a reference. And then I feel the pain of everyone, and then it says. Oh. Um, on the bottom, then I feel nothing. And that's a quote from one of my favorite 90s songs from the band Dinosaur Jr. So it all makes oh, sense. Oh, I 
see, I see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is a very obscure reference that like <laughs> three of our listeners, maybe more, will know. You guys are going to be like, what? No, Sarah, we all know that because we love Jeff. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, so appropriate for today. Mm-hmm. I feel the pain of everyone. Uh, and everything, and we're talking about grief. The last, were you? How were you feeling after the last episode? After we talked about grief, Sarah, were you okay? Uh, yeah, I was. I think it, I spent a lot of time after our last episode kind of reflecting on the. I don't know. I, I want to say like not to put like a rosy. I don't know. <sighs> spin on it but like like the beauty of it like how Mm. it really does you know i do i really have to try to tell myself my grandma is still with me and Mm. she's right here Mm -hmm. because you know it's it's there's a little bit of those regret feelings that kind of just like pop up a little bit like i said with that voicemail and everything i just couldn't stop thinking about that one but Mm -hmm. then our conversation about how grief is equal to like how much you cared or loved that person so that's very sweet but yeah, it's, it's, it's afterwards, gosh, who knows what I did. <laughs> it stuck with me. It stuck with me the whole week. Um, oh. I've just been like, yeah, grief, grief is everywhere. You can't, ex- you can't escape grief. Life is grief. Everything yeah. is grief. Uh, and you know, I, sometimes I try to do that thing where I can kind of like put a little bow on it and feel better about it. And you know, life is always changing. Life is grief, but your life is also about like really new experiences and new beginnings and growing and evolving. But still, there's a lot of sad stuff that we have to go through. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so that much. brings us to, oh. if you're going through grief. It's inevitable. That's yeah. really what we're yeah. saying here. Like, it's inevitable. Yeah. You're going to feel it. If you're going through grief, let's talk about how to process your own grief and how to move through it. Let's also, eventually we're going to talk about how to be there for someone who's grieving, which can be a really, really tricky thing to do. So uh, let's go through it. The, one of the yeah. first things that you can do, which seems really obvious, but is maybe the hardest thing to do on mm-hmm. this list <laughs> is actually like allow yourself to grieve. Understand that grief is a process. It's important to allow yourself to feel the emotions, work through them, and don't try to suppress your feelings or rush the process. I always want to rush the process. I am I'm constantly trying to like get through it and get to the other side. And the, the problem is that like when you do that, what's that rhyme? what you resist persists sort of thing. Right. And so I'm I'm trying to resist the feeling of grief. I'm trying not to feel it rush through it, which only makes it like persist even longer because I'm not getting in touch with it and feeling it, which means that like, I have to just allow myself to be weepy and cry, whether it's about like a, a stupid commercial or the actual loss or whatever it is. So like allowing yourself to grieve, is incredibly important, but we also have this sort of like natural built-in defense mechanisms to not feel these really uncomfortable feelings, right? Absolutely. And probably all these messages about what it would mean if I did allow myself to go there, you know, it's Mm. like the meaning we create about like, no, then I'm weak or then I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, crying has a meaning or, Mm -hmm. you know, everything is attached to like deeper. Mm Mm-hmm meanings than just what might be on the surface that kind of prevent us from being able to give us the 
give ourselves the permission to feel those feelings. Mm -hmm. And the thing that usually helps me is, um, when I want to try to feel the feelings is asking myself, where do I feel it in my body? Oh, love it. Right. Love it. Love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I can, and sometimes it's in different places. Sometimes it's in my gut. Sometimes it's in my chest or behind my eyes or, or whatever. And I'm kind of kind of like connect with the emotion and how it's actually like physically feeling while it moves through my body and then expressing it. And sometimes I express it by writing or talking about it or just like sitting in it and feeling the energy around it. So first step yeah. is feeling it. Right. And you can't think through a feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, some of us tend to try to solve our problems from the neck up mm-hmm. or like, I know I'll just think if I think about grief, if I conceptually understand grief, mm-hmm. I figured cause I read a couple books on it. I was like immune to it. <laughs> My therapist was like, that's not how this works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, you're going to actually have to feel it in your body. Ugh. Ugh. And in order to avoid that, we kind of can stay in our head sometimes, but that will, that's resisting. That is the resisting. Yeah, that's resisting. Feeling. It's also that defense mechanism is called intellectualization. We're just sort of like analyze it, look at it from like a 30,000 mm-hmm. foot view, you know, so read books about it, just like understand the theoretical or what it does to you. But like you have to actually step into it to feel it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and that can feel so scary because it's such an, uh, it can be an unknown. It's something that we all experience, so familiar, but it's, it's, you know, often done, or maybe we're like not encouraged to express it outwardly. Mm-hmm. It seems like grief is something that like you're supposed to just like be sad over there. Like, yeah, it does feel like a I mean? really private. Like we, yeah. we're told that we're supposed to be really private about it, or hide our feelings about it, or not upset other people about it. Which or is, like there's some stoic, like, yeah. like something that we could, uh, some kind of honor in like being stoic and getting through and not grieving or not showing that mm-hmm. like, oh, you're strong because of that, which then implies that you're weak if you do. Right. It's very layered. And so we like, don't give ourselves permission to really feel these things. It, it mm-hmm. prevents the process. It does. Which leads us into our next point while you're feeling it or in in order to feel it, sometimes you really need to reach out for support and talk to someone that you can really trust. I'm lucky enough to have a bunch of friends that are therapists that love talking about grief, which is a little much at times. (laughs) It's like, come on guys. Um, but it's, uh, it's not, you can maybe try to feel it and process it on your own, but it can be so, it can work so much better if you're talking about it with somebody else, but that takes, you have to be brave and vulnerable and courageous and like show your vulnerability while you're talking to someone else. Yeah. And then there, there is that feeling that we're going to burden somebody Mm -hmm. and that always works that, that, only ever works in like one direction. Mm-hmm. I rarely, I don't think I've ever heard somebody go, Oh, the, this other person just keeps burdening me with their grief. <laughs> but I do hear, I don't want to burden somebody else with my mm-hmm. grief. And I would never in a million years consider any of, uh, uh the reaching out and, 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 you know, a need for support, a burden. Mm-mm. And I feel like everybody listening is like not in group. Like, yeah, I would never. But as soon as we're in that position, mm. we're just like, oh, no, I can't. I can't reach out. Yeah. Mm. You're giving somebody, you're like giving, you're allowing someone to connect with you. It's a gift of connection. When you tell somebody about your grief, they're able to connect with you in an incredibly 
vulnerable way. And they feel more connected to you maybe than they've ever felt before when you're giving them the story of grief, the feelings of the grief that you're going through, right? And just like you would want a friend to tell you about, they want you to tell you, to tell them about their grief. So that's one way to think about it. One of the, we feel, we might also feel like a burden because like the emotions feel like a burden to us. We don't want to feel the feelings. We feel like they're so big. And so they're going to be really big for somebody else, which also might not be the case. I think that a lot of people, especially our closest friends can like, hold emotional space, sort of like Mm -hmm. hear what you're saying and just understand what you're going through. So, Mm -hmm. and it also kind of connects to this other point of one of the things that really helps me is trying to, you know, going ahead and feeling the grief. Maybe I'm feeling the grief of a breakup. Mm -hmm. Um, If I connect it to other feelings of grief in my childhood or in my past relationships, just making those connections can feel like these aha moments of, oh, it's not just this grief, but I'm grieving so many other things. And now I'm able to talk about that. And there's something really healing about that, you know? Yeah. It's like opening up that grief box that you feel like is going to spill everywhere. Then you recognize like, oh, yep, this is some other stuff from the past, but also that it's contained that just like in the the past, Mm. you were able to get through those moments of grief, kind of like looking back because it can feel like, especially breakups. Mm. It feels like I am never (laughs) going to get through this. My heart is never going to heal. Mm -hmm. It feels actually, and just going there, just like inviting the thought of Mm. physically feeling it and just like, Oh, no way. Mm -hmm. So reminding ourselves that we've been through this before Mm -hmm. and it will not last forever. (sighs) Can maybe take, it doesn't get rid of it. None of these, (laughs) nothing like none of this is the cure. This is the process. That's why it's the, how to process your own grief, not Mm -hmm. how to, free yourself of it. Yeah. And that's an important point, um, that it may never go away, especially for like really big griefs that are important to you. However, like Sarah is saying, you've probably gotten through a lot of griefs before you're going to get through this one. You sort of get stuck in this place of, well, I'm never going to get through this. This is the hardest feeling ever. And I'm never going to feel better. Right. Um, that we've talked about before, maybe your brain is doing that in order to motivate you to like try to do things to feel better. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. so it's, it's a really common feeling to, to think that you might, or a thought to think that you might get stuck in it, but remember, but remembering that you got through it before and you'll get through it again is an important thing to remember. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And sometimes like when you're grieving next on our list, so super easy to forget Mm -hmm. the basics, like Mm -hmm. how to be a person one-on-one. Yes. So just focusing on taking care of yourself, it feels almost like in grief that like, what's the point? It can feel like, so, I mean, that's that sadness, those depression feelings Mm -hmm. that are so tied to that. Like, why even bother? Why should I even take a shower? What does it even matter? (laughs) And there's so much power in washing your face and brushing your teeth. (laughs) There really is. I know. It's just, it's, it is the, the, the real basics of taking care of yourself, getting outside, doing your thing and also eating, eating really well is incredibly important, which leads us into honestly, one of my favorite advertisers, wild grain. This is, I swear I am a host of three different podcasts and every single, (laughs) we all talk about how 
this is the best sponsor yeah. and so freaking delicious. We're talking about wild grain. Because it's just, you get these like frozen breads and grains, yeah. pastas, whatever, and you just put it in the oven for 25 minutes. It could not be easier. And your whole apartment or house smells like bread. And it is the tastiest bread. And I'm, and it's it's also the kind of bread where you have to kind of watch out because I feel like you can just keep eating it and eating it and eating it because it doesn't like oh, leave yeah. that, that, for me at least, it doesn't leave a heavy feeling in my tummy. Yeah. It doesn't feel like, oh, I just want to like barf all this bread up. It's just yummy yeah, bread. Because it doesn't have all that gross stuff that your grocery store bread does exactly it's got the good stuff and you can like look like you know like a a fresh baker that's what (laughs) i like i feel so fancy when i pull those croissants out which by the way you will get free with Mm -hmm. your order yeah Mm -hmm. every order comes with croissants that already i'm like sign me up i uh, i don't want to go to the bakery on sunday morning i want the bakery come to me in my own house even so, better are the chocolate croissants have you tried the chocolate croissants no oh my God. you keep talking about them they're the lava ones or whatever and anything oh that's God. like exploding chocolate i would like oh. so where can they go to get this well for a limited time you can get 30 dollars off the first box plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash tce to start your subscription. You heard me. It's free croissants in every box. $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash TCE. That's wildgrain.com slash TCE. Or you can use the promo code TCE at checkout. Eat that bread. It's amazing. All your friends will love you. It'll be really hard to go back to store-bought bread because your life is about to change. I promise It's you. impossible. Yeah. It yeah. really is. Yeah. yeah. Oh exactly. gosh, it's the best. Um, okay, so in th- that, like, nutrition is so important. Nut- like, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I mean, it's so easy to just go. Your brain's job is to take care of you and give you the most nutrients the fastest. It's not aware sometimes of things like salads and right. what you might actually want, like a good, you know, a piece of chicken and like some vegetables. When you are feeling deprived uh, when you're feeling like energy uh, uh, deprived and mm-hmm. when you're feeling really down your brain's like i i gotta take care of you mm-hmm. definitely need to get, take care of you the fastest the quickest that's going to be the most t- calorie dense the food that get that hamburger <laughs> definitely do that and then we feel bad about the ways that we do that when all we're doing is really trying to take care of ourselves mm-hmm. and we just need like the compassion and understanding that that's your body doing the best it can do to solve the problem in the moment mm-hmm. so you know i sometimes come up with strategies to like cope ahead mm-hmm. to like whether it's food prep or like meal prep or you know have some stuff frozen or just mm-hmm. like things that i can mm-hmm. i don't know Take yeah. out the thank work because then I always beat myself up for bad decisions that I make when my brain is in a state where it's unable to even make good ones. Mm-hmm. That's a mm-hmm. really good point because a lot of times when you're feeling grief, you might not be feeling grief 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You'll probably get these feelings of uh, feeling relief or forgetting about it for a second or feeling more energized. And when you feel that, go ahead and start prepping for when you might start feeling bad again. And one of the other things you can do is stay active and exercise as much as you can. Exercising and moving around is like stress relief, obviously. So go ahead and, and work out if you can. However, 
don't if you don't want to. Like if you right. if you need to just stay on the couch, stay in bed, be really lazy, then do that too. I want to motivate you to think about working out and moving your body because that's yeah. you know it's so good for your mental health. But I don't want you to feel bad if you're not doing it. You know what I mean? Sometimes I like to change the wording because we can Mm. have a negative connotation with like, if you tell me to like exercise, Mm. I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I had a client once who, who said, what if we called it celebrate our bodies? (laughs) Yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm into that. Mm -hmm. So now that's like, well, I go to, well, can you celebrate your body today or can you engage in, uh, uh, like interacting with your outside world. So mm. even if it's just going on a walk, mm-hmm. celebrating my body sound, or dancing to a song, finding mm-hmm. a song you like dancing to your, the song in your bedroom, mm-hmm. you can shut all the windows, all the doors, nobody even needs to see you and just celebrate your body for like five minutes. It's amazing what that can do. And maybe it's a song that, that will also help kind of move you through that, that process. Mm-hmm. When we get our body moving, it really helps to, to, facilitate those feelings moving through the body as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Process them out. And even if you're feeling like a 10 out of 10 grief, the, the point might just be to get to nine out of 10 grief or eight out of 10, you know, just feeling totally. a little bit of relief. We're not looking for you to like eliminate grief altogether. Right. Um, moving around really helps. Also sharing your experience with others who have gone through similar situations can be super helpful. So finding other people that have lived experience that have gone through something that you've gone through, uh, incredibly healing. I, I love support groups mm-hmm. so much. Mm-hmm. I think they are. And, you know, online, it's really great that there are a lot of different support groups and services like that, that are now offered online, you know, finding the right one, of course, is important that, you know, like I think is facilitated by a therapist and, Mm -hmm. you know, so we're talking about the right stuff and the information is correct and it's Mm -hmm. a supportive environment, but there is also a, a, when you get a bunch of people who have shared experiences, like I remember I worked, I, I ran a group therapy for, um, survivors of strokes. And then we did a separate one for their families. And the jokes that they made in there were jokes that only the families in there would be able to laugh at. And it provided such relief. And if you got them in a group with other people, they'd be like mortified that what, what are you doing making jokes about this? But that's what they needed is that kind of connection and that mutual understanding and that ability to kind of like even use humor to process those feelings in Mm -hmm. a safe way with people who, who understood. And so I really, really encourage people listening. If you have an experience that you feel other people wouldn't be able to understand that you are not alone in that experience, whatever it may be. And there are groups out there, you know, to support whatever you're going through. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. There's also, I, it's a good thing, Sarah. When you, were, I was also thinking that it's it's it can be a good idea to go online and find message boards of people that have gone through grief. The risk, though, or like going on TikTok or Instagram, the risk is that these are just random people, uh, and that these aren't therapists that are trained in grief, and there isn't a facilitator to to hold a healthy space for these conversations. 
So that's something to keep in mind. I think that a lot of people go just try to read blogs on grief or sadness or whatever it is, and I get it, and that can be really healing. But you also have to be a critical thinker about mm-hmm. what you're reading and what you're letting into your psyche. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but finding a support group can be incredibly healing and important. Yeah. yeah. I, I would say that the you know share my own story. The the experience of grief that really. I don't know, it taught me what grief was because it, I had experienced sadness, but never like deep, like grief and loss. Mm. And I had, when I had a miscarriage, that's Mm. what I felt. And it was this new feeling that I had never, ever experienced before Mm. and like so out of my control. Mm -hmm. And, but then I felt so at blank to like at fault for Mm. unnecessarily. And I kind of did that same thing. You know, many people get the idea of doing, going to the message boards and trying mm-hmm. to find answers there. And it did not help. It was the opposite because there were a lot of people even just celebrating, uh, you know, good things that happened to mm-hmm. them, you know, after a shared experience was like, not what I was ready for. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so this is a, it's never a one size fits all. You know, you have to find the thing that is right for you. And if it doesn't feel right, and if it feels like, oh, this isn't the kind of support that I need or needed or want, that that doesn't mean it's not available somewhere else or you have to shut the door to getting mm-hmm. support. You know, I think in those situations, like for me, it was talking to a therapist who was there to sit with the feeling of grief that in my mind I thought was going to be something like huge, like a feeling I've never experienced before. Like I, okay, I have to feel sad. Like that must look like I'm going to cry for like a month and never stop. And I got to function. I got to go to school. Like mm-hmm. I, I got shit to do. I don't have time for grief. And when she actually just sit that sat with me in a session with those feelings, it, it took all of like five minutes <laughs> to really like cry and then feel like, okay, I feel not that it's gone, but Mm -hmm. a little bit of relief and the awareness that, oh, that, that's what opening that box looks like. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's not that. It feels like it's going to be a tidal wave, Mm -hmm. but it's a little glass of water that you're, and you get to control how much of it you sip. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's, if you can't do it on your own, it can, it's sort of easier to do with a therapist who's yes. trained at being there for you. And a lot of times when your therapist, your grief counselor is helping you move through the grief, they are just being incredibly compassionate and understanding and being there for you. And what happens is that you then start to be there for yourself. You can, you're, they're kind of, they're showing you how to be there for yourself by being there for you. And then you get to kind of like take that energy or take that little therapist part of you and do that to yourself. That's what in grad school we would call the therapy magic. Like we don't really like there, I'm sure maybe somebody put a fancy name to it, but when you add it all up, it's all just like the magic of therapy when you go in there and just share mm-hmm. it with somebody else who's that right mm-hmm. person. For mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I love it. Okay, so I know we're talking about grief and talking about a bunch of heavy stuff, but I wanted to just put a little pin in this convo and talk a little bit about something that I used to grieve and no longer am grieving, and that's how much money I was wasting on subscriptions that I wasn't even using. My money was 
and like everything going on with my finances was so unorganized at the beginning of this year. So I really said like, I need to get my mental health feeling good. And how do I need to do that? I need to know all about my finances and know where I'm spending money. And I have a wonderful, wonderful solution that helped me so much and now it can help you. Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill, is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. I read a statistic that said over 80% of people have subscriptions that they forgot about, like streaming services that you bought just to like watch one show and then, or that free trial that ended you never used. Oh, that happened to me the other day. And luckily I have Rocket Money that will Find the subscriptions that you have, and then all you'd have to do is press cancel, and they do it for you. It's amazing. So stop throwing your money away. Cancel those unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash TCE. That's rocketmoney.com slash TCE. Rocketmoney.com slash TCE. You are going to feel so good once all of your finances are organized, and we will no longer have to grieve the amount of money that we throw away every month on those ridiculous subscriptions that we don't even use. Okay. Back to the show. Also practicing, this feels like kind of like an on-trend term or it's been on trend for a while now, but practicing Mm -hmm. mindfulness, mindfulness techniques such as meditation, deep breathing, yoga can help you stay really grounded and present. So it's about kind of like getting in your body, feeling the feelings, really meeting it and carving out like special time, whether you're doing yoga or meditation, where you're just kind of like, all right, grief, here I am. I'm very present. And maybe I'm only doing it for 15 minutes. I'm going to set a timer or you're going to do it for a full hour. You're going to do it with a group of people that are doing yoga, right? So you're just really kind of stepping into it. And even just going through like a guided yoga class, it like mm-hmm. is kind of putting, like allowing somebody else to, to just kind of take over for that, however long it is and allow you to just be there in that moment. And, you know, we talked about this in our, I believe in our anxiety and depression episode that anxiety lives in the future and depression lives in the past. And, you cannot experience those emotions what if you are physically in the present and mindfully in mm-hmm. the present and connected to your physical space you know mm-hmm. when you do that like oh what are five things i see and you know mm-hmm. four things i can hear kind of like grounding exercises your mind doesn't know how to like worry about the future as it's looking around and and analyzing its environment it just mm-hmm. can't mm-hmm. so that is why you know it's like it it is we want to like kind of connect the dots on all these things. You know, mindfulness isn't just mindfulness because like, you know, I don't know, it feels good to close your eyes and meditate for a little bit. It's because it actually brings your mind into this moment where those, that worry that's unnecessary can't exist. And that, that depression, those depression feelings over things that we cannot change can't live. Mm-hmm. And so there's, it, it you got to like kind of, put it all together. And sometimes I think understanding the why helps me so much. It's like, Oh, now I know why to do this. Oh, I got to work this out. Oh, why do we cry? Why do we do this? Why do we do mm-hmm. anything? Like knowing why, like gives me feel permission to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing you can do, which, uh, you know, you don't have to do this if you don't want to, but <laughs> you don't have to do any of these things, I guess, if you don't want to, um, is try to like find meaning. So you can try to find meaning in your life, meaning and purpose. 
um, even the, in the face of loss, you can also try to find meaning and like what the lesson is, Ugh, which, which is, which is maybe feels like toxic positivity of like, let's think about the lesson. What did you learn going through this grief? Which it is kind of toxic, toxically positive. Sometimes it's sort of like, let's just try to put a happy bow on this and think about how you can grow. And, and that's a really good way to go. If that's resonating with you, if that feels like it's, taking away, taking you away from feeling your feelings, then don't do that. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times you can create meaning and purpose in the face of loss or because of the loss, you can kind of turn it into something else that feels really meaningful. That's going to stick with you for the rest of your life and you can grow and evolve and it can be an amazing thing. But sometimes this thing, this step doesn't happen until way later on in the grief process. Yeah. And I think this is a great one for relationships. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because our past relationships do teach us about the future and about, and do help us uh, decide what things feel good, what things don't feel good, what um, you want to bring with you into the next relationship, what things you want to change. Mm-hmm. You know, in a relationship that I felt so much grief and heartache over, I recognized that there were the red flags and signs that I saw that I recognized and then chose to ignore. (laughs) And so I said to myself in the next one, when you see them, we're not going to ignore them because you were so aware of them. And you're like, "Mm, one more time. Let's just see if I'm right about this. And like, (laughs) maybe prove me wrong kind of thing. And, uh, uh, well, yeah, I saw them and I thought for some reason, like (sighs) it wasn't going to end up how it did. And it sure did. So yeah. You know, but, and, and then in the relationship, the very next one, I talked about those things right away, you know, mm-hmm. hit the road when there were red flags that were those like deal breakers that I just knew weren't going to change. And so that was the meaning that I took away. You know, it's hard to find meaning in something like the loss of a child or anything mm-hmm. like that's just, you couldn't mm-hmm. even imagine, but in things like that can help us in the future mm-hmm. after that, that grieving process, like further down the road, I think it could be really valuable. Really valuable. And a lot of times, one of the things that you learn over and over in the grief process is that you have to appreciate the time that you had with that person or appreciate life. Don't take life for granted sort of thing. We're just kind of like, okay, it's a cliche. We all know this, but it's a really good reminder every time we go through grief, whether it's a big grief or a little grief. Um, So there are lessons to be learned, probably. What are those lessons? If it feels like you want to punch me in the face when I say that, you're not ready for it and it's okay. (laughs) And maybe this is just a grief that's going to destroy you and there is no lesson because it was like a horrible experience that you went through. That's fine too. You know what I mean? Um, One more thing that you should think about doing is being... Ugh, and I hate, ugh, I hate when people tell me this bullshit. It's so. like therapy cliches and they're cliches <laughs> for a reason. And it's like, you know, I have a lot of clients that are very similar to me and that they're just like, oh God, we have to say that. And I'm like, I'm just like you. And we're all like, oh, we got to come up with new words. But yeah, yeah, go ahead. Say the thing. Yeah. You have to be patient in order to work through the grief. It's not going to go away overnight. I wish it did. I wish you could just take a pill or do an internal sunshine on your brain so that you're not thinking But why. I still don't know why we haven't been able to invent that technology yet. It right. seems so. Sure it's just. Do. Come on brain damage UFOs. just a little bit like specific like brain, brain damage like come on yeah. get rid of that <laughs> no big yeah. deal. um so you do have to be patient 
you're going to go through this for a while and just kind of, um, you need to accept that as fact. If you, again, like if you try to speed through it, then you're resisting it and it's probably going to persist. One of the things that I have to remember doing is, I don't know if you ever feel this way, Sarah, but if I'm in grief and I feel like to me, it's taking too long and I feel like Mm -hmm. I should be past the grief stage already. I get really mad at myself. I'm just like, oh, come on, Jeff, drop it. Why are you thinking about this? This is so. This is in the past. What is wrong with you? Are yeah. thoughts that I have, and I have to remember, like, I would never tell a client that or a friend that. I would never yell at somebody for feeling their grief too long. Oh my, I'd be a right. fucking horrible person. Right. And why am I doing that to myself? That's I, I love myself. I should be incredibly compassionate when I'm feeling these feelings, but I get super pissed and yet and get angry with myself. I get that. And if you're somebody who, who helps others process that and you can't somehow speed up the process for Mm -hmm. yourself, Mm -hmm. it can feel like, oh, maybe I can't do anything. Like, it's just like this imposter syndrome thing, or you feel like, oh, it's like part of your identity. So Mm -hmm. I understand that, but you get all the same, uh, time time and patience and understanding that everybody else gets, that we all get in that and yeah, it is, it's not linear and it comes up and, and, you know, you can just, I feel like even listening to this podcast, you know, mm-hmm. this is, it, it's take care of yourself after even listening to stuff like mm-hmm. this, or like, it's hard to, to kind of like go back there. Your brain's naturally going to pull up other times where you experienced grief and maybe it'll give you a chance to, mm-hmm. I don't give yourself some of that, that patience and understanding that Jeff talked about struggling with. Too. Yeah, exactly. And okay, Sarah too. Fine, fine, fine. <laughs> so let's flip it now. What if yes. you are somebody who's trying to be there for your friend or your partner, a family member who's going through grief? Mm-hmm. How do you, and I think it's really one of the things that, I have felt many times in the past when like a loved one is going through grief is I feel I'm feel helpless and powerless. I want to take this grief away from them. I want to make them feel better. I want to be silly or sweet or put a bow on it or something, but I can't do it because the grief is so heavy and so big. So I have to manage my helpless feelings and not maybe be toxically positive or try to get them to move through it really fast because I'm wanting to do that because I'm uncomfortable with their feeling and I need to be okay with how they're feeling. You know what I mean? Um, it's also, it's, it's one of the things that I've struggled with the most being a therapist for almost 20 years. It's just sort of like dropping into the session, being there in the grief with them without like trying to do something as a therapist. I kind of want to make sure that you're getting your money's worth. And I've decided that you getting your money's worth is like, you're going to feel better every single time you leave my office, which is not true. Right. Um, but it's, but it's a real, it's a real thing that I struggle with every single time I see somebody, whether they're going through grief or anxiety or depression or breakups or whatever. Um, I want to make somebody feel better. And I think you have to accept the fact that you're likely not going to be able to do that. With whoever you're supporting, right? Oh, it gets the because the intentions are so good. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I feel like I'm better at being there with clients than I am with people in my mm. real life. Totally. Like because I care so much, and I don't want the person in my real—I'd never want anybody to feel that sadness. But I can understand the boundaries a little more in the therapy relationship, and 
and, and, and recognize that that person is literally paying me to mm-hmm. like, and giving me permission to, to go there with them and to, to talk about those feelings. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I feel like with my friends, unless I get that verbal permission, that's like in some way, like, I don't know, the equivalent of like informed consent that they're like <laughs> signing or something mm-hmm. that I, I'm, I can be afraid to ask some of the questions or, or, mm. or I don't know, give that space because maybe they're not ready for it or mm-hmm. that's not the help that they wanted. Mm-hmm. And I had a therapist once who told me that, you know how when somebody wants your advice or wants your solution, they ask for it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, okay. Because I was just like dishing them out right and left. <laughs> and so I kind of like pulled back too far, but I think I overcorrected. And now I kind of have to push myself a little to. Yeah. Because it's scary and you always think you're going to say the wrong thing. And, mm. you know. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So one of the first things that you can do, one of the first really helpful things you can do is just simply be present for your friend or your loved one. Just listen to them, offer a sympathetic ear without trying to fix their problems or offer advice. Like we're saying, it's hard to not offer advice, but just sort of, so saying things like, I'm here for you. We're in this together. Tell me mm-hmm. more. Or you're just kind of sinking into the feeling, knowing that you might not be able to like say anything that's going to solve their problem or make them feel better in the moment, but just being present with them yeah. on this journey of grief is incredibly helpful. So that's the first thing that you should think about doing. Yeah. You know, there are so many of those cliche phrases Mm -hmm. that I think, oh, you know, everything happens for a reason Mm. or don't worry, this isn't going to be forever Mm -hmm. or I know just how you feel. Mm -hmm. Those are the ones... Oh, I think that's even on our list. I'm just jumping ahead. Aren't let's I? go. Let's go to yeah. that one because it's because yeah. it's an important one. Um, and they're 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 so tempting to say time heals all wounds. <laughs> God, and maybe right. maybe even that's true to a certain like all of these are true to a certain degree. Like they're cliches for a reason, yeah. but they typically don't help in the moment. You know what I mean? Right. It's it's the. It's like the empathetic equivalent of like handing them a Hallmark card. Like, right. Mm. They're like, here you go. Have this card. But mm-hmm. then like not providing any of the actual human support with mm-hmm. it. You know, that's to me what it feels like of like, like here's the least I can do in a, in a way, mm-hmm. you know? So Ugh. it's, it, and people don't, to put it on the person who's grieving isn't even fair because who knows even what they want or what they need. No. You know, I think when you're trying to be there for somebody, even just remembering some of the things that are on our list of what you struggle with. Mm-hmm. So take your friend for a walk uh, or like mm-hmm. take them outside, like to I don't know, look at some flowers, what it brings some flowers over, sure. like that kind of thing. Those things yeah. can be like dinners, like bring them a dinner, bring them some food they can just throw in the microwave or, or mm-hmm. something quick, something that helps them, you know, with some of those things that, that we struggled with. Yeah, exactly. That, that was another point that we were going to make is that just doing the day-to-day life tax, life tasks, um, like cooking or cleaning or running errands for them, mm-hmm. taking those things off their plate is so relieving so that they don't have to like commit energy or, you know, time to think about how they're going to do it. They just don't feel like getting out of bed. So doing like getting them, uh, food delivered, 
getting them some wild grain delivered to their regular right. That's bread. What I'm, I'm like thinking in my head. Them. I'm like, I don't want any of my friends to go through anything. But, but like, I think I would like, yeah, next time somebody's going to like get a housekeeper, like pay for like some yes. like house cleaning service or something like that to come and just like clean yeah. the house for them or something. Because yeah. that's like the last thing you want to do. But maybe Ugh. like what can make the biggest difference if your space is, yes. feels good or if you have food or you're you mm-hmm. know getting outside those kind of things yeah but going back for a second to the to the like cliches or the platitudes yeah. or yeah. something the the one that one that i i don't ever say this to my clients or to my friends mm-hmm. but the one that works for me <laughs> and oh, that yeah. i say to myself privately is everything happens for a reason and that feels like just saying that to somebody or like, or they're in a better place or something like, oh, yeah. <laughs> just don't, please don't do it. It's toxically positive. We, we're, mm-hmm. we're not supporting that. But if these things mm-hmm. work for you, like they work for me, then go ahead and say that to yourself privately. There's something so soothing about everything happens for a reason that I'm, yeah. that there must be a reason I'm feeling this pain because this pain is so unreasonable. It feels like I'm, it feels so heavy. So I don't know what the reason is, but it's helping me to think that, or if somebody passes, they're like probably in a better place. Oh, that feels good to me. So I'm going to go ahead and think that myself. But again, I I'm, like what you just pointed out there and mm-hmm. is that it was you saying it to yourself mm-hmm. that provided you that kind of relief, which is part of maybe the process of that acceptance mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in the whole grief process. Yeah. But I bet if you were a little more, I don't know, in the anger stage and I said everything happens for a reason, <laughs> it would not land the mm-hmm. same way. And so that's really important to think that, that these are things we can say to ourselves, mm. And these are things that can be really powerful. And maybe, you know, now that I say this out loud, that's probably why we say it to other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because that thought, oh, that makes total sense. That part, that feels so comforting to us to yeah. hold that thought. Mm-hmm. Oh, my grandma is right here with me. Mm-hmm right now but if mm-hmm. she the week she passed away somebody said your grandma's right here with you i'd be like no she's not i right. want to smell her i want <laughs> grandma talking to me i want to go to mcdonald's at 10 a.m and get uh, ice cream like mm-hmm. we do mm-hmm. you know and she and so that that mm-hmm. is it's what we have to say to ourselves and mm-hmm. can't say to others when the time is right yes so you might know when the time is right for yourself, but you don't quite know for somebody else. That's the risk in saying these little cliches. Uh, another thing to do is remember, if it seems like it's the right time, remember the person that they lost. So don't be afraid to talk about the person your friend or loved one has lost. Remembering their loved one can help keep the memory alive and provide comfort. Uh, I think a lot of people want to stay away from talking about memories. Oh! Right. I'm going to cry because I'm thinking about the movie Coco right now and that song. <laughs> ah, I can't even think about it. It's so important. Because mm-hmm. we do forget. I know. Look at this. I'm such an emotional podcast host. <laughs> can't help it. But yeah, we like, that's why like, I really, really love cultures that take time to like put the energy into remembering. We sometimes forget and, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. 
And sometimes it, we think that it's easier to forget, to just like stuff our feelings to the side. But then you're not honoring that person. You're not honoring the loss. You're not getting in touch with the feelings and processing them. And there's something, it feels really sad, but it also feels really beautiful. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Ugh, that song, I swear to God. Didn't it win like the Academy Award for like best soundtrack? Yeah. Because... it gets me i'm telling you and i like listened to it before i even saw the movie and then i recently saw the movie oh oh i was a mess i was a total mess so so good if that's a great one if you're like if you've lost somebody i think movies and those kind of things can really help yeah you're kind of of like you're you're watching the movie you're in the story and you're you're feeling the story really intensely but you're also connecting with your own grief and thinking about your own experiences it's a really good way to process things by watching movies or reading books ah i love it and very last thing on the list which is the same thing Mm -hmm. when we're going through it ourselves or when we're dealing with it Mm -hmm. with uh somebody else and helping somebody else Mm -hmm. with their grief and that's just be patient i said it this time so you didn't have to be so cliche (laughs) Just be patient. One of the things that I tell my griefy clients, when especially when they first start grieving, is, hey, you know what? This grief is going to take as long as it needs to take, and I am going to be on the journey with you the entire time. We're not going to rush it. We're not going to like try to push through it. If you want to avoid it here or there, that's totally fine. If you come in and you're really angry or you're sad or you're accepting or you're bargaining or whatever stage you're in, then I'm going to be there with you in that process. Like Sarah keeps on saying, it's not linear. It's all over the place. Mm-hmm. So as your therapist, I'm going to be patient. I'm not going to try to force anything. And I hope that you also will be patient for yourself. And so if you're somebody that's helping somebody through grief, you have to exercise patience as well. I know that it feels really uncomfortable for you to sit there and not be able to take this like emotion away from somebody. That's why it feels like when I'm a therapist, it feels pretty satisfying if I'm helping somebody with like uh, anxiety. Cause I'm like, Oh, here's a toolkit. Here's what you can do. Oh, you feel better. Yay. I'm so amazing. I'm such a great therapist. Bye. Um, but with grief, it's just like, you feel grief. You feel sad when you come in, you feel maybe sadder when you leave. And then I have mm-hmm. to just kind of like, and I have to be patient with the journey that you're on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But a little bit is drained out of that that tank of, mm-hmm. of grief feelings. So, yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ugh, grief. You know what? I feel like this is going to be a heavier one mm-hmm. than even the other one. The other one was kind of more of that intellectualizing we grief. How do we think about how, how to, what is grief? Let's define it like mm-hmm. almost clinically. And this is this was grief from the neck down, maybe. And it feels a little more. I mean, f- for fuck's sake, I cried about Coco. <laughs> What's wrong with me? Maybe people listening are like, I'm crying too. It's a fantastic movie. Uh, well, it but is. whether you are it's crying fun. along or laughing along, if you are having any good reactions, then we want to know about it. And you should definitely go and leave us a five-star review on Spotify or po- uh, uh, iTunes, mm-hmm. wherever they are. Uh, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts and you can leave us a review because we love reading them and we love that you guys are listening. And also feel free to let us know what subjects you guys would like us to discuss. Mm. Our last two episodes on grief were um, inspired by somebody who just uh, sent me a message in my DMs on Instagram about wanting uh, 
you know, mm-hmm. talk about this. So yeah, thank I get, you so much to that listener. Totally. I get really good suggestions from people sliding into my DMs on Instagram. You can find me at Therapy Jeff. Uh, don't message me on TikTok. I just get a bunch of junk there. So it's going to go into the void. <laughs> All right, friends. Well, we will see you next time yeah. uh, on 